I know many of us are still bummed about the loss to Pittsburgh on Wednesday night, and understandably so. With that in mind, let me provide some words of comfort for all of us from the annals of American history. The final seconds will tick away, and the North Carolina Tar Heels come into Cameron Indoor Stadium on Mike Krzyzewski's final night coaching in this arena, and they hand the Blue Devils a loss. Or how about this? Inside 30 overall, love. Top of the key. Oh, big time delivery shot of the night to this point. Or how about one final quote? Keels, racing, pull up, three, no good, rebound Carolina, and the fairy tale ride for the Tar Heels continues, and Coach K's legendary career has come to a close. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, February 3rd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, not Jim Nance, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch to help you get your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on today's show, we have the what to watch for ahead of the Duke game, my Four Corners recap of Carolina women's victory over Virginia on Thursday night, plus my shady stat of the game, and of course, our heels of the week, but first. We got to just start by talking about this rivalry, because here's the deal. Many in the wrong shade of blue are going to try to dissuade you from the following truth, but remember, always. The North Carolina Tar Heels hold the upper hand in this rivalry until the day that Jesus comes back. That is truth. But that doesn't mean that you don't want to win the next one. Because you do. You always want to keep winning and you always want to experience the highs and don't really want to experience the lows, but they're going to happen of this rivalry. So let's talk about it. The next chapter, the next edition of North Carolina versus Duke. So begins the Hubert Davis, John Shire era of the greatest rivalry in sports. And how weird is this to say? For the third time in the last three seasons, North Carolina and Duke face off both being unranked in the AP poll. Here's a little trivia question for you. If you follow my Twitter, you might have already seen this. Prior to those meetings two years, a couple of years ago in the 2020-21 season, when was the last time that Carolina and Duke met when both were unranked? I'm going to count to five, or you can pause, and I'm going to give you the answer. One, two, three, four, five. It was February 27th of 1960. Yes, that's right. A very long time ago. And also weird, as we think about this first meeting between Coach Davis and Coach Shire, the Tar Heels and Blue Devils right now are tied for sixth in the ACC. How often have we said things like that? Well, as for these two teams coming off of two of the biggest games in this rivalry ever in the rivalry, it's odd because Carolina brings back a ton of guys who were part of those experiences last season, while Duke brings back 
literally only two. Jeremy Roach and Jalen Blakes, who didn't play really at all last year, are Duke's only returning scholarship players from that team. I'm really interested to see what effect that has on this game, where a lot of Carolina guys remember the recent history and played in it, I guess more importantly, whereas the Duke guys did not. Uh, An interesting storyline for the game. Both teams have a former Northwestern player on their roster. Obviously, for North Carolina, that is Pete Nance. For Duke, it's a guy named Ryan Young, who uh, is going to come off the bench, but but he will um, play an impact in this game. That said, let's get to know Duke a little bit this season in case you haven't been keeping tabs on them. And then I'll give you the what to watch for here in just a little bit. The Blue Devils are 16 and 6 overall, 7 and 4 in the ACC. Their best wins this season are over Xavier, Miami, and Iowa. Nothing high, high, high level, but if you haven't been keeping up with Xavier, they are right atop the Big East. Um, Miami's playing well, and Iowa's kind of middling there in the Big Ten. In terms of bad losses, Duke has six, but none of them are really bad. It's kind of similar to Carolina um, in that the the losses for Duke are to Kansas and Purdue on a neutral floor, understandable. And then um, in within ACC play at Wake, at NC State, at Clemson, and at Virginia Tech. So you probably look at it, uh, Virginia Tech's probably their worst loss, maybe at Wake Forest, Um, but, but none of those are really damaging. They're all quad one losses. Uh, The Blue Devils, though, are beginning an incredibly tough stretch tomorrow when this they host North Carolina. Their next two games after that are at Miami and at Virginia. So a really telling three game stretch for Duke coming up here, which starts with this game hosting the Tar Heels. As for Duke's personnel in something of an ironic twist, given Carolina's flip flop of how much Coach Williams used the bench versus how little Coach Davis used the bench for Duke. Coach K used the bench very little, and Coach Shire uses it more liberally. And so the teams have kind of flip-flopped their personnel usage beyond the starting five. As for Duke, one of their heralded freshmen is Dariq Whitehead, who suffered an ankle injury a couple games ago. Um, It it was feared at first that it was a ruptured Achilles, which you obviously never want to see that. You'd love to not have to face really good players, but you you never want to see um, a serious injury to a player. Good news is that it wasn't an Achilles, and so we're waiting to see. At, At this point, it seems more likely than not that he probably won't play, but you just never know in college basketball because we don't have official injury reporting standards. And so until the game tips off um, and until it's over, we, we might not know what's going to actually happen. So with that said, in the games that Whitehead has missed, here has been Duke's starting lineup. In the backcourt at the guard positions, it's Jeremy Roach, 6'2", 180, matched with freshman Tyrese Proctor, who is 6'5", 175. At the forward, Mark Mitchell, 6'9", 220. And then in the front court is Derek Lively, who came in the most heralded of Duke's freshmen, along with Whitehead. They were one and two. Uh, Lively is a 7'1", 230-pound center. And then Uh, The guy that you really need to know that's been Duke's best player is Kyle Filipowski, another freshman, seven foot, nothing, 230, and he plays center as well. So Duke will probably most likely be starting four freshmen 
in this game alongside Jeremy Roach. As for the bench, um, obviously uh, lots of guys in the rotation. If Dariq Whitehead doesn't play, the three guys I expect to see the most off the bench are Ryan Young, whom I just mentioned from Northwestern, 6'10", 235-pound center, Jacob Grandison, 6'6", 190 guard, and Jalen Blakes, who's that one other guy that was on the roster as a scholarship player last year along with Roach, 6'2", 200-pound guard. Now, again, if you haven't tuned into Duke very much this season, in some ways, um, it, it's similar with what their freshmen are to the R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson season, and here's why I say that. You might recall that prior to that season, Zion Williamson came in ranked behind both R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and Nas- Nasir Little, honestly, and Zion was behind all of those guys, and it was immediately apparent that he was the best of that Duke trio. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle Filipowski is Zion Williamson level good. I mean, he's just frankly was was a generational talent on the college basketball landscape. Kyle Filipowski is very, very good. He will be the ACC freshman of the year this season. But he came in like heralded and ranked behind Dariq Whitehead and Derek Lively. And honestly, if you look back at the ACC freshman of the year preseason voting, Filipowski was like voted fifth on his own team. (laughs) And here he is going to be the ACC freshman of the year. So just keep your eyes on that. He leads the team in points, 15.8 rebounds, nine and a half and steals 1.2. What Carolina needs to do to him is force him to shoot just 28.7% from three. So you want to, you want to cut him off and force him to take jump shots. Who's going to guard him. We'll talk about that in a little bit. One more tidbit on Duke, just to know a little bit about what are they really good at this year. Their most elite and best quality is their offensive rebounding. They project, or not projected, they are by average height, the second tallest team in all of Division I, and the third highest ranked team in terms of offensive rebounding percentage. And so Carolina is going to have to do a great job uh, of securing defensive rebounds and keeping the Blue Devils off the offensive glass. So keep your eyes on that. Coming up, I do want to give you the what to watch for more from the Carolina perspective. Always want to watch matchups in this series. And so we'll certainly talk about that and we'll do it in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. We're really excited about this new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in all of America. And if you're new to FanDuel, honestly, it's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now so that you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. What's that? Well, you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus points if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown. Plus, the app is safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. And you can get paid your winnings instantly. Legitimately, I love this app. I've used it as my my personal go-to for daily fantasy for years now. So, Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's right. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 
Also, thanks again for tuning in to Locked On Tar Heels. I'd love to encourage you to also check out Locked On College Basketball, a brand new show on the Locked On Network. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Okay, anytime we have a game preview, I like to give you my W2W4, the what to watch for. And so I will give you four of those for this game. And number one is this. It's, it's always intriguing, uh, the, the Carolina-Duke matchups. For a long time, that was because Carolina in the Roy Williams era had the tr- two traditional bigs. Duke would try to render one of them incapable of being on the floor by using like a stretch four. And uh, so that always made for an interesting give and take. Obviously, now that's, that's not the case in the Hubert Davis era. Now, in terms of the Duke side of things, it's a little tough to pinpoint because their roster has been in flux because of some injuries, not only the one to Whitehead, but also Jeremy Roach before that. Once again, I expect Derek Whitehead to be out or at least severely limited again because of college basketball's lack of injury reporting protocols. We just don't know. And so that means that Derek Lively, who again, has not lived up to what he was expected to be this season, although he's getting a little bit better coming back from early season injuries himself, he will likely start. So as we've already said, um, I've already listed off the Duke starters for you. So let me give you the three that I feel most confident about how Carolina will match up. And then we'll, we'll talk the two that is a little uh, more of, uh, of a question there. So RJ Davis will be on Jeremy Roach. Again, Roach is 6-2 and that, that projects as the best matchup for RJ Davis. I expect Caleb Love to be on Tyrese Proctor, who again, 6-5 guard, 175. So both Love and Davis will be given up a couple inches there. Assuming Lively starts, it will be Armando Baycott on him. Lively 7-1, 230. So he and Baycott match up well. When he goes off, Ryan Young comes in and they both match up well. They are all three of those guys. Baycott and the two Duke guys are more traditional bigs, a little less mobile. And so that's why I expect those matchups. And then here it comes down to the, the biggest question is this. Who guards Kyle Filipowski? It's either going to be Pete Nance or, <clears throat> excuse me, or Leaky Black. From a pure height standpoint, it makes more sense to have Leaky Black on Mark Mitchell, both of whom are 6'9", and Pete Nance on Kyle Filipowski. Again, Filipowski's a seven-footer, right at seven foot even, and Nance would just be an inch or two shorter than him. And so from a from a height and size standpoint, that makes the most sense. And, and Nance is a really good defender. You might think back to last year um, and how we looked at these matchups. In the first game, Carolina chose to go with Armando Baycott on Palo Bancaro. And you'll remember that that did not go very well at all. Thank you very much. In fact, Baycott found himself on the bench with two quick fouls. In the second and third matchups, um, Carolina didn't do like oftentimes if we're saying that we expect Leaky Black as the best defender to guard Kyle Filipowski, that's not what Hubert Davis did in those latter two matchups. Part of that is because AJ Griffin had had 27 points in the Dean Dome. And so what Hubert Davis chose to do was put Brady Manick on Palo Bancaro and Leaky Black onto AJ Griffin to try and neutralize him. The difference this year is that Mark Mitchell is not the offensive weapon that AJ Griffin was last year for Duke. Even still, my expectation is that because of the height difference that Pete Nance will start out on Filipowski, similar to how 
um, Brady Manick as a lesser defender took, took the challenge on Paolo Bancaro last year. Sure. He gave up his points, but held his own in both the final regular season game and in the final four while leaky black essentially neutralized AJ Griffin. And uh, we'll look for that. So as of now, I'm going to predict that leaky black will start on Mark Mitchell and Pete Nance on Kyle Filipowski. However, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leakey take some turns on Kyle Filipowski. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jalen Washington, because of his agility as well, take some turns on Kyle Filipowski. But I'm projecting, once again, Pete Nance to start there. All right, uh, what to watch for point number two. How does Carolina respond to Wednesday night? How do they bounce back from what was, frankly, a frustrating loss? And, and one that Carolina should have won once again against Pittsburgh. Uh, probably the biggest part of that for me is how does Mondo come back from a performance where he admittedly did not play well, did not fight for his positioning. Now, again, Pitt's, Pitt had a great defensive plan for him, um, but for Carolina as a team, is the mental toughness there to be able to pick up their third road win of the season? Is the physical toughness there to match what um, what Duke will be doing? And remember, at several positions in the backcourt, for example, they are bigger. Uh, how does North Carolina hold up to that? We'll have to wait and see. What to watch for? Point number three is the backcourt. Heading into the game against Pitt, R.J. Davis had been on fire leading up through the Syracuse game. Caleb Love had 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 a nice Syracuse game, and then he it, really solid, some good decision making, things of that nature. And then against Pitt, had had another really solid performance um, in those two games, is shooting just shy of fifty percent from both the field and from three. And RJ remembered suffered that injury to his shooting index finger against Syracuse, and consequently struggled with his shot. I believe because of that touch with his finger against, um, against Pitt on Wednesday night, just three of 15 from the field, O of six from three and two of four from the free throw line, where he once again is statistically the ACC's best free throw shooter this season. So we've had this flip on Wednesday night. So the question is, does Caleb continue this trajectory growing and, and finding that shot? And, what he's typically done against Duke where he goes off. Can RJ figure out what he was missing Wednesday night? Can he find, cause he found some other ways to get involved drawing charges, had like eight rebounds, several assists. Can he impact the game in other ways? Maybe getting to the rim, which is tough against, again, against a tall Duke team, but maybe get some of those guys in foul trouble attack mode. Right? So we'll be watching for that from both of these guards, but keep an eye on RJ Davis's shooting. And then the fourth thing in the, what to watch for is the X factor factor. <laughs> it feels in these rivalry matchups that they always feature big time players making big time plays, but they also, and perhaps more importantly, feature impact plays being made from atypical sources. You know what I mean? Like we've seen this on both sides of it. For Carolina, I don't think that's going to be Puff Johnson, whom you would expect to be the X factor because he's been out the past three games and doesn't seem to be projecting towards playing in this one. There's not been a ramp up that you typically see when that happens. So, so where does that X factor come from? Who steps in and does the things that you have to do to support the starting five? Is it DeMarco Dunn? 
knocking down a couple shots? Does Jalen Washington come in and provide some solid front court minutes? Maybe even getting, I mean, he just looks smooth on that baseline jumper or getting some nice touch around the rim. Um, is it Tyler Nickel maybe getting a couple buckets? Or maybe it comes from the starters and some unexpected sources. Maybe Leakey is able to knock a couple down. He's been struggling from outside lately. Um, clearly his defense on whomever it is, is going to be an important part of this matchup. And he's going to have to do that. Perhaps his defense is pivotal. Uh, perhaps it's Pete Nance having a hot shooting night with that laser of uh, a jump shot that he has. Um, he's been more aggressive offensively lately. And maybe, maybe that carries over into this game in healthy ways. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Who do you think will be the X fight? X factor that plays a pivotal role for the Tar Heels in this game. Can't wait to read your thoughts. Well, coming up, I want to unpack for us Carolina's win in the women's basketball over Virginia on Thursday night. We'll do that with the usual way we do so. Four corners recap, shady stat of the game, and you know we got our heels of the week, the good and the bad, and you can probably guess who the bad heel of the week is going to be. Coming up in just a second, but first... This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I don't know about you, but I'm trying to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to do that without compromising the taste, then you got to check out Built Bar. What makes it so good? Well, for starters, it's covered in 100% real chocolate. And these Built Bars come in unbelievable flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie. I'm not sure how Built does it, but they maintain this great taste while keeping it even healthy. Just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and yet a whopping 17 grams of protein. And best of all, you don't even have to wait around for an order to come from Built.com anymore. Why not? Because now they are available, Built Bars, in your local Sam's Club and Walmart. So head on down today, get you a four-count box of cookies and cream. Or while you're at Sam's Club, get one of those bulk sizes of the churro flavor. I can tell you right now, you will not be disappointed. Okay, the Lady Tar Heels are on an eight-game winning streak, knocking off Virginia on Thursday night, 73-62. to Let's get right into that Four Corners recap. Number one, whoo, Kayla Mick. Fearson, are you with me? This young lady has burst onto the scene. After having not been able to play all of last year and missing the majority of this season, she started uh, started playing, not started in the starting five, but started playing for the first time last Sunday at Clemson. Had eight points, a great start. But then game two of her collegiate career at home against Virginia, 14 points to lead the Tar Heels in just 18 minutes. 18 minutes and did so on an efficient six of 10 shooting from the field and two of three from deep add to that two rebounds and four assists. And as freshmen do, she also had four turnovers, but you are going to have that from time to time. Um, what, what are some of the ways she did that? She had a really nice, difficult corner three early in the second quarter. Um, later, just right before halftime, there's about three forty-five left in the second quarter. Had enough, I mean, her layups, her athleticism to get to the rim. She had this great driving layup. And this, the Tar Heels, Coach Banghart, have found something with Kayla McPherson. And I'm telling you right now, she is going to play a massive and pivotal role 
down the stretch of this season. And when you combine that with how Paulina Paris continues to grow as a freshman, look out. These young ladies are supporting what that upperclassman junior class is doing, and they might really, really have something. Point number two in our Four Corners recap. I, in, in my what to watch for for this game, had talked about I'd love to see Carolina win all four quarters, meaning in each quarter of the game score more points than Virginia. Why? They have they are yet to do that in an ACC game this season. They've lost at least one quarter out of every game. And I know Coach Banghart wants to see that consistency for 40 minutes. Um, just dominate an opponent and make it happen. Well, they came oh so close to doing that. They won each of the first three quarters, but lost the fourth to Virginia, 22 to 20. And the, the kind of frustrating thing about that is they had it until the very end when Virginia went on a 4-0 run to cap the game. Even still, Carolina essentially wire to wire with this thing, almost won all four quarters. And that's what you want to see. And so a really nice job by the ladies. I, I say wire to wire. They weren't leading at the beginning of the first quarter, um, but man, they really got it going. Four Corners recap point number three. Once again, no Eva Hodgson in this game for North Carolina, who has now missed her third game in a row. Paulina Paris stepped in for her, and this one has started each of the past two. As for Paris, she didn't have as, as strong a game as she did against Clemson on Sunday. That's okay. It was a career high at Clemson. Uh, just two points in this one, but uh, contributed several other things for the Tar Heels. But what's really cool is that Carolina got some unexpected production. We talked about that X-factor in the Carolina Duke game a little bit ago. One of the X-factors in this one, in addition to Kayla McPherson, was Anya Poole, who scored 11 points, getting into double digits for the first time since November 24th. And so great to have that for the Tar Heels. Four Corners recap point number four. And this one is uh, an area I'd like to see Carolina grow in. They, they've had struggles kind of throughout the season with turnovers, and it's something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, with bringing in McPherson, I know that um, she is a strong point guard, but also a freshman. And so you're probably going to continue to suffer some turnovers. So uh, along with Paulina Paris, who is a guard and a freshman. And so she's going to have some of that. And so it's really incumbent upon those upperclassmen studs, Alyssa Utsby, Kennedy Todd Williams, Deja Kelly, to hold on to the ball well and really um, help the team value possessions in that way. So in this one, Carolina, 18 turnovers. They already had nine less than four minutes into the second quarter. That is not a good way to start the game. And after 22 turnovers at Clemson on Sunday, that means they're averaging 20 over their last two games. Carolina has to clean that up before they go to a really good Louisville squad on Sunday. So be ready for that one. Keep your eyes on how Carolina gets back into action with their turnovers. Uh, shady stat of the game. You ready for this one? Carolina, uh, as we set off the bat, um, both teams struggled out of the gate, just, uh, seven points in the first six minutes of the game, only 17 combined in the entirety of the first quarter. But then we got to the second quarter in which at, at one point in the second quarter, Carolina used a 15 to two run to put this game out of reach. Virginia, you know, made some pushes here and there, but that after that run, it was Carolina's game and they went into cruise control for better or for worse. Um, but what's cool and, and the shady stat of the game is that in that 15 to two stretch, five different Tar Heels contributed points. And so you love to see that diversity on a big scoring run. It's always cool when it's like, man, Deja Kelly scored 15 straight points or, or whatever it may be. 
but really neat to see that much contribution. All right, let's wrap this thing up with our heels of the week and our heel of the week. The heels of the week, the yay, is Carolina women's tennis, who are just doing what they need to do yet again. After um, um, advancing in the ITA National Indoor Tournament last weekend to the championships, which is coming up soon in February, midweek they hosted the number two Tar Heels, the number five Georgia Bulldogs, and beat them five to two. And really, it wasn't that close. They they won the doubles point and then clinched it after the fourth singles match, um, but played it out so that you could get those doubles or those those singles results. And so Carolina wins this five to two over Georgia, who again top five opponent. Carolina uh, doing work there. Keep your eyes on these on the women's team. See if maybe they can jump up over Texas, who's number one when the rankings refresh next week. And then. <laughs> The Tar Heel, not the Tar Heel, excuse me, the Heel of the Week, who actually is a Tar Heel or is a Pittsburgh Panther right now. That's right. You guessed it. Lots of folks clamoring for this one. It's Jason Capel. Let me put it in the words of Todd Pegram, who emailed me these words. My vote for Heel of the Week goes to Jason Capel, simply for his actions towards the fans, his arrogance, and his weak backbone. And... I don't think that's overstated by Todd there. That's the thing. Jason Capel played for Carolina in a tough time in Carolina's recent history, like at the turn of the century there in the Matt Doherty era. Um, Was a fine and good player. Has uh, been with his brother Jeff for a while now on his staff as an assistant. And for some reason... And obviously, I don't know all the things that go on behind the scenes. I don't know what was said at the the game against Oklahoma in the 2009 NCAA tournament run that that Coach Jeff Capel referenced in his post-game press conference. But it just feels like he's Jason, not Jeff, is trying to trying to bring stuff up where there's not really stuff. He was acknowledged on the PA system before this game started on Wednesday night and the crowd clapped for him. And then, again, this is not the first time this happened, but has a bunch of stuff to stay on the court afterwards. And you've probably seen the video of him down in the tunnel after the game saying his boys did the work for him. Like, what are we doing here, Jason Capel? Well, how did we get to this point? It's so sad. And kind of the sad thing is, is it's Jeff that was the mature one about it. In his, I don't necessarily agree with everything he said in his post-game comments, but I appreciate the way he said it and handled it maturely, like sat at the podium at a, in a Carolina press conference room and just worked at defending his brother, said things very measuredly, didn't get frustrated or upset. And I thought he handled that well, working to defend his brother. Once again, I don't agree with everything Jeff said either, but I, I like, I can respect him for how he approached it. Jason, nah, bro, that ain't the way to do it. And that's the, that's the big issue. We love you. We want you to be a Tar Heel, but not if you're going to handle your business that way. That ain't it. Come be a Tar Heel. Uh, go read Tyler Hansbrough's Twitter. You'll see what's up. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Folks, it's going to be a great game inside Cameron Indoor Stadium coming up on Saturday. Make sure you are tuned into it. College game day will be there Saturday morning as well. But as for today's show, 
that is it for this episode. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have a crossover episode with Locked On Blue Devils host JJ Jackson. If you're interested in learning more about Duke, tune in to that as well. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and comment. And once again, let me remind you to make Locked On College Basketball your next listen of the day. Myself and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for hanging out with me, getting ready for this Duke matchup. Let's go Heels. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. It's great to get to say that twice in this show today. (laughs) Until next week, peace. Peace.